and welcome to the Rethinking Leadership podcast series. I'm Jude Jennison, host of this podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I believe that leadership is about who we are being as much as what we're doing and that when we combine our brilliant minds with the emotional engagement of the heart, we can solve all of the world's problems. In this podcast, I interview leaders on their experiences of disruptive change and ask them how leaders can position themselves for the future of business. Find out what this week's leader has to say. This week, I'm talking to Andy Childerhouse, the CEO of Viewpoint. Andy talks about how he transformed the business when it was close to failure to the thriving business that it is today. He led the team to redefine the strategy, the business model and the product base and of crucial importance, how he transformed the culture of the organisation so that everybody was engaged as they went through the transformation. Hi Andy, thanks for joining me today. Hi Jude. Um, For the benefit of the listeners, can you tell us who you are and what you do please? Yeah, sure. Um, I lead a company called Viewpoint. Uh, we're a Coventry-based provider of real-time um, point-of-experience feedback solutions. Uh, we've got a, a wide range of customers um, across pretty much every vertical. And in the last couple of years, we've gone from being a, a UK-only provider um, to providing solutions worldwide. Um, so clients include the likes of Amazon, Volkswagen, Procter & Gamble, Siemens, and the NHS. And I guess your listeners will probably have seen devices like ours in airports and in big stores. They're the um, smiley face feedback terminals that people are now um, increasingly familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we basically provide those. We provide hardware and software as a service. We offer a range of um, different devices. Um, we design the hardware ourselves. We develop the software in-house. Um, and the solutions work really because they're convenient, they're engaging, they yield um, huge volumes of feedback that give our clients insights that can transform their businesses um, at a fraction of the cost of traditional approaches. And uh, by way of example, um, we've got one client at the moment um, with frontline workers, um, and they had a real concern um, about the impacts of COVID on the mental health and well-being of their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt that there was a, a reluctance to talk about mental health and they wanted to break the taboo. So they used our devices as a way of engaging staff whilst um, still preserving their anonymity. Um, now, they had more than 2,000 employees participate um, over a couple of months. And during that period, they saw mental health support awareness increase by 23%. Um, trust in management went up by 21%. Um, so they saw real and immediate benefits through engaging, in this case, with their employees in that way. And, you know, we've got lots of examples like that um, because we provide solutions for not just employees, but customers, um, patients, students and, and delegates as well. Yeah, it's really fascinating, isn't it? Because, you know, I tend to I tend to think of these things as, oh, it, it's just it just gives you a percentage. I don't I don't tend to think of them naively. So forgive me for this. But naively, I don't tend to think of them as giving um, as changing behavior. But actually, what I'm hearing is that by getting the feedback, you can then start to change behavior either 
within the company or within your client base uh, yeah absolutely and that's really the whole purpose of doing it to be honest um you know we do have some clients that, that just want to be able to publish the the numbers um they don't tend to stay with us very long to be honest i think it's those who and they're the majority who really see the benefit that the insight gives them um now that insight um can help them um, change products um it can give them insight into employee behavior and i think you know with employees and employee feedback has been a real growth area for us there was a recent gallup poll if i remember rightly which revealed that 87 percent of employees who were surveyed said that they weren't engaged at work mm. now if that is the case and that's truly representative that's a massive issue yeah. um, and understanding why and what you can do to fix it is is critically important mm. so that's really where our solutions come in they provide those insights that can then be actioned in order to bring about positive change great well i know that's something that has been uh, important for you in your own business as well can you Tell us about some of the changes that you've made with your own business. Yeah, sure. Um, the business itself um, started as Customer Research Technology Limited, or CRT, way back in 2001, a long time before I was involved. Um, in the early years, it, it grew pretty rapidly um, through a small number of high-value, bespoke, consultative contracts, uh, mainly in the public sector. Um, back then, the company wasn't technology-led. Uh, the main value was in the consultancy services, and it was a really different world back then. Um, there was little competition, um, point of experience feedback was novel, uh, the smartphone revolution hadn't happened, um, but all of that changed really quickly. Um, the services we offered as a company became commoditized. Um, we saw a whole raft of new market entrants come in, um, prices were driven down, competition became intense really quickly. And then we had to contend with austerity and the resulting decline in public sector revenues. So it's kind of a perfect storm, really, of, of different factors. And essentially, we had to change. Otherwise, we'd have been dead as a business. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to make a, a pretty big um, shift, really, in terms of strategy, business model and culture. Mm. And what sort of what sort of changes have you made in in strategy and business model and particularly in culture and I'm, I'm interested in the leadership and team behaviors that you've had to 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 look at and how you've how you've made changes there sure um well i undertook a strategic review um it, it was clear really you know the writing was on the wall we couldn't continue as we were um so that strategic review really resulted in us uh, making seven major changes or seven things that we did uh, we moved from a consultative bespoke um, solutions-based model to a, a packaged product-led one um, a SaaS has model as i just mentioned um, we launched a new product range our main strength relative to our competitors actually laying kiosk-based uh, real-time touchscreen solutions so we launched a new range of products um, that now form the basis of, of our offering today um, in terms of our core software offering we hadn't invested sufficiently in that we'd fallen behind our comp competitors so we strengthened that uh, we rebranded um, our old name crt didn't really effectively communicate anymore what we did and the associated branding had, had aged pretty poorly so 
we became viewpoints with the smiley face branding that we have today. Um, we established an inbound marketing strategy, um, launched a new website. Um, that in combination gave us a, a four-fold increase in leads pretty much overnight, actually. Um, and we looked at new markets. Um, up until that point, we've been a, a UK um, domestic supplier, UK only. Um, we looked overseas, so we looked to engage resellers and partners. Um, and pretty quickly actually got some traction, um, particularly in the US and, and English-speaking parts of the world. Um, and today we ship solutions to 66 countries um, worldwide. And um, in doing that, we removed our reliance as well on the public sector. Um, so today we have customers in every vertical, uh, which means we're better able to sort of withstand the impacts of something like COVID, for example, than we otherwise would have been because we were very dependent on a handful of um, high value customers. So they were the, the sort of the strategic changes. Um, I, I did put this question to the team though and, and actually said, you know, what do you think was the biggest um, enabling change that we made? And interestingly, they all said it was the change in culture. Mm. Um, their feedback was that there had been a bit of a them and us barrier. Um, and you know, we, we broke that down pretty quickly and um, achieved that by being really transparent, um, communicating regularly. Um, I was very honest with them about the challenges we faced, um, about the changes that I wanted to introduce, um, and collaborated with them on that, sought their, their input and their feedback. Um, and ensure that we collectively own the changes. And it was a point as well, because you know, I was quite candid about the scale of the challenge. It was an opportunity for people to decide whether they want to come on the journey or not, to use that hackneyed phrase. You know, you, you want the right people on the bus. So uh, there were some people at that time that I anticipated would um, you know, want to look for opportunities elsewhere. Uh, it didn't really happen. I mean, we'd already shed some staff at that point, and so we, we had a core of really good people. Um, but I think what that whole cultural shift ensured was that there was genuine commitment and ownership um, from everybody, um, a level of openness and honesty that, that probably hadn't, well, say probably, but definitely hadn't um, existed before. And as I say, the, you know, the interesting thing talking to them now is they say that was the biggest transformative change. It was an enabler. Um, for everything else that then happened. Um, and it's been a, a cultural shift that's uh, that's persisted. Yeah, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because, you know, as you're listing all of the strategic changes that you've gone through, I'm thinking, crikey, this is a massive, you know, this is a massive business transformation, isn't it? That, you know, and I'm hearing at a time where it's, where it's make or break. And, and actually the agility to, to do the critical thinking and the and the emotional connection of bringing a team with you is is enormous um and it's interesting to hear that the the team's feedback is that that it's the the cultural piece that's made the biggest difference and you know that i heard you say the words openness and transparency a couple of times and and i think particularly when a business is under pressure or or struggling in some way often communication closes down a bit because people are afraid to um, generate more uncertainty 
when they don't have all of the answers. What I'm hearing is that you faced into that and were really transparent about the uncertainty as well as the certainty and how that has brought people with you. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And I think actually at times of uncertainty um, and times of difficulty, because we, we were going through a difficult stage as a company, um, communication's even more important because if you don't communicate and if you're not just straightforward and honest with people, then people will kind of fill in the gaps themselves. And the one thing I'm, I'm aware of is that as, um, as a leader of, a, of an organization, you know, people look at you and every word, every gesture or expression gets amplified. Yeah. And, um, and where there is uncertainty and there's fear, because people would naturally be fearful about their jobs, about their security. Um, if there's a, an information vacuum, people are going to fill it. And, you know, their speculation is always going to be worst case. Yeah. Um, so it's just so important to communicate and, and to be clear and, and to be just very straightforward with people. We've seen that with the pandemic, haven't we? That that as soon as there is a, a lack of information, as there often is in uncertainty, but as soon as it's as soon as there's a lack of information, because I always say clarity is sometimes saying there's nothing to report, that even that can be really valuable to fill the to fill the vacuum because otherwise the vacuum gets filled with assumptions and and polarized viewpoints based on based on those assumptions and you know i think that's something that we're really experiencing in the world today in in on so many levels but particularly as part of the the covid-19 pandemic we've really seen that um i'm also really intrigued about the, the word communication because it's such a almost like a and I know you don't mean it as a throwaway word but it's almost like a throwaway word because if you ask anybody they'll tell you that communication is key and most people will tell you that they're good at it but actually if you ask most most people around them most people will say that most people aren't good at communication so what what have you what did you learn along the along the way in terms of how you communicated and and you know how we need to communicate in the when we're going through massive change like this. Well, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I think we benefit from the fact that we're quite small as an organisation, so it's very easy to get everybody together in one place um, and to talk things through rather than just send out missives. Um, and I think the um, the point that we found ourselves in really um, required face-to-face -face communication on a regular basis um, so at one point I was putting the team together twice a week to update them which probably seems like a lot and mm. and actually it wasn't necessary so after a while we went we went down to, to once a week but in those initial stages when there was so much happening um, so quickly it was really important that we carried people with us and um, and by communication I don't mean just talking to people and explaining what we wanted to do it was um, it's a lot more than that it was about being able to communicate a vision being prepared to explain it um, creating an environment environment where people felt um, safe to be able to challenge what you were saying to ask questions um, a welcomed input and um, I, I really tried to avoid being defensive mm. um, because I think if you're defensive it shuts people down I, I wanted them to know that it was safe to speak up 
and they've actually, you know, whilst I had a vision and um, had a plan, I didn't have all the answers and they could input and there were suggestions and ideas that they had that, um, that shaped the direction that we went in. And in, in that sense, I think everybody felt that they, they owned what we were doing. Um, they knew they had a voice. Um, I was quite open when I got things wrong because you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get things wrong. And I think um, in terms of leading a team, you need to accept that. I think if I look back to the early parts of my career, I felt pressure, pressure that I put myself under, to be honest, to, to kind of be perfect. And yeah. no one's perfect. <laughs> and if you can just be honest and get things wrong. And, you know, um, I can remember one occasion where I mishandled something with staff. Um, mishandled it publicly, actually. I went away and reflected and I thought, actually, I really didn't handle that well. And so, um, so I apologised the next day. I, I brought it up. But I brought it up publicly. Didn't want to. I'd much rather have just had a private one-on-one conversation. But I thought, well, look, I, I did this in front of everybody, so I need to just give a public apology in front of everybody as well and say, look, I got this wrong, I'm sorry. Mm. And um, I think sometimes we can think that doing something like that is um, a sign of weakness, but actually I think, you know, we're all human, we all make mistakes. People don't expect the leader to be perfect and if he or she tries to project um, perfection, then it comes across as inauthentic. Well, people see through it, don't they? I think yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think sometimes that the the, the power of, um, I mean, what I hear when I, when I hear you speak is is just the word humility that that comes through of that humility to say, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I want your feedback because I want you to be part of the solution and to help shape it. Um, that that humility to say how do we co-create the solution? I think that's, that's going to be needed as we go forward because problems that we're faced with, you know, in, in the world and in business are, are complex, aren't they? With, by their very nature now, and they're not, they're not as simple as, as just churning out a, you know, even, even a new product. So although I know that's not simple, but, but the, the problems we face are are so complex and multifaceted that actually we need to include different voices in the in the system of that, don't we? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think team working has, has never been more important. To be honest, I don't think any one individual has all the answers. Um, I'm very fortunate here that I have um, a great team of people uh, who all bring you know unique skills and ability and insights to bear. And um, the the collective is um, much better than than you know the, the sum of the parts, if that makes sense. So, mm. um, and it's the same you know with leadership team as well. Um, I think for me, being surrounded by the the right people, and that includes um, non-execs as well, um, has been essential. And I think that means that you need to have a certain level of self-awareness. So be aware of you know, where your strengths lay and what, and what your weaknesses are. Um, make sure that you have the right people around you. Um, and make sure that you draw on people. Um, and I think to do that, you need to empower them as well. So they need to have a sense of, uh, of being valued, of being listened to, and of having something to contribute. And um, 
uh, I think that comes down to relationship building as well. I think um, it, it helps, obviously, if you like people. And um, yeah. and that, that seems an obvious thing to say, but yeah, I've worked for some people over the years who I don't think like people very much, and, um, and that's always a problem. Um, so I think if you care about people, you understand their circumstances, um, you can set clear expectations and still show empathy. Yeah. Um, because you know people are humans at the end of the day they've, they've got their own hopes fears pressures um, lives like everyone else mm. and, um, and I think if they know that you're going to bear with them in the, in the tough times and, and be human yourself be reasonable care for them support them show empathy um, that goes a very very long way yeah I mean we're always treading that really fine balance between trying to create a result and and focus on on the result and do it by working with people in a collaborative way and in, in an empathic way and um mm. so much easier to say that than to do it isn't it it is but um i, I think i think sometimes when i talk to people they see that the two things being in opposition that yeah. um if you know if you're going to drive change and you're going to make things happen you know, you need to be tough. You can't be empathetic. You know, I don't agree with that. Mm. I think clearly you need to be able to handle conf conflict. And um, I think actually we're, we're pretty good at that. We've built relationships here where we can be very straightforward and honest with one another. We can challenge one another. Um, we don't duck issues. I think avoidance is always a bad strategy. Yeah. Um, how best to confront an issue obviously depends on the person, the situation. You've got to be able to read people. But I think if you have empathy and you've built relationships, it's much easier actually to hold people to account. Um, Definitely. I mean, it I comes think... back again, I suppose, to what I was saying earlier about having the right people with you. Mm. And, you know, what I really would focus on is attitude and, and character, really. I think they're paramount. So I think most other things can be learned. Mm. But, um, you know, we've had people here in the past who haven't really been committed, haven't really wanted to go on the journey with us um in fact i think of one guy we um recruited a uh, software developer um i hadn't been involved in his, his interview but i met him on his first day in the role and he was expressing doubts about what we could achieve and he didn't think the, the vision for the company was really realistic or, or, or realizable and um he was pretty negative um and that was his his first and his last day in the job um <laughs> So having the right people with you, uh, yeah. appointing the right people who are going to add to the team and, and not detract from it, they're all key. Yeah, and as you say, empathy is, a, is the foundation of all of that, isn't it? Empathy is the foundation of, if you've got empathy, you can have those difficult conversations, you can engage in the conflict and, and bring it to the surface because you understand it and, and can, can approach it from that, that point of view. Um, Andy, I, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, you, you sound like a very enlightened um, leader. What, what, has, what has informed you along the way so that, that you have these skills? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, well, I've been around quite a long time, so I've got, um, I've got 30 years of experience, I guess, to draw upon and um, made lots of mistakes along the way, as you do. And, um, I've worked for a number of different uh, leaders and managers over the years, some good, some okay, um, some shocking, to be honest. 
um, and and actually you can learn from all of them really. Yeah. And uh, funnily enough, some of the some of the worst managers were some of the best teachers in in some respects, mm. in as far as the the learning was more memorable. Um, so when you feel the pain of it, don't you, on the receiving end of it, and and it's it's very informative in terms of I don't want to behave like that, and I don't want anyone to, in my team to feel like I feel. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it certainly is the case. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking back to um, some situations. I mean, for example, I, um, I suppose just to throw a story in there, I had a new job probably the better part of 20 years ago now, actually, working for um, customer services director. And um, I'd only met him once, actually, um, which was at my interview, but um, I'd been called into London to go to a strategy meeting um, that he was leading with his direct reports. And there were um, eight or nine of us present, I think, something like that. But it was the 1st of April, which was very relevant, because um, he was standing at the, uh, the front of the room, um, the meeting room, um, setting out strategic, strategic objectives for us when his uh, mobile phone rang. And uh, I remember him saying it was his daughter, that she never rang him at work, so he needed to take the call. And he took the call right in front of us all. Um, and it was, it was evident pretty quickly that his daughter, who was still at school at the time, had rung him to tell him that her boyfriend had asked her to marry him and that she'd said yes. And he just completely lost it. Um, he was screaming and shouting, screaming and shouting at her, sort of yelling at her in front of us all. Wow. Finished the call, then he rang his wife and started yelling at his wife, did you know about this? Why haven't you told me? Then he rang the um, boyfriend's parents and did the same. And it was um, it was like watching a show. It all unfolded in front of us. It was um, incredible, really. And he was um, so upset by it all that we had to take a break for coffee afterwards once he calmed down. And, uh, and then we picked up the, uh, the meeting again and carried on with the strategy discussion. Um, then a few minutes in, his phone rang and it was his daughter. Um, this time we could hear her end of the conversation because she was sobbing, saying it was only an April Fool's joke and now her boyfriend's finished with her. And it was, um, it was like a soap opera. Um, so looking back on it, I can't remember anything about the actual meeting. I don't remember anything about the strategic objectives or anything we discussed. Um, but I remember everything else from it. And I think yeah, one thing with that, was that he never really recovered from it. I think, you know, credibility and trust can be lost in an instant. Mm. You know, seeing the volatility, the lack of control. Um, lack of control. Yeah, lack of compassion, all of those things. Mm. Um, and I think probably the, you know, the overriding lesson there was, you know, you've got to keep calm under pressure. Um, there will be occasions where things happen where you'll feel like venting. You can't afford to. You really can't. So, um, you know, having a measure of self-control is um, is critical, I think, yeah. to any leader in any position. And it's back to it's back to the point you made about self-awareness again, isn't it? And that and and also self-regulation of we we will always be triggered by by things, and and it's how we how we handle them and deal with them, isn't it? Um, I mean, I and I'm and I'm thinking in the context of the working environment that we're we're living on well and our environment that we're living and working in today where there is continuous uncertainty and continuous change and and that's really becoming 
becoming the norm for us. I mean, we've talked about change being continuous for a while, but but the level of uncertainty that we're living with as well, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be here for for some time. Um, what what skills do you think we need to develop? What do you, what do you think we should be focusing on to enable us? To, to have that ability for self, self-awareness and self-regulation? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, in the individual level, um, I think back, you know, to our, our experience here as a team, I, th- I think we all need a support network. I think none of us can make it on our own. You know, I think of the team that we have here and I've got a number of individuals who've gone through, who are facing, you know, massive issues and challenges in their lives, you know, quite apart from all the uncertainty that COVID has brought. And I think being supported is critically important. I think working in an environment where there is empathy, there is support, um, and where there is clarity as well, because, you know, looking at our situation now as a, as a company, um, we had a really good six months um, last year leading up to the end of our financial year in, in March um, and then business dropped away really really rapidly so we'd come through a, um, a process of rapid change we'd stabilized we saw growth and then you plunge back into uncertainty again um, but it's it's really about going back to the, the basics and I'm thinking now from the position of, of leadership um, it's setting out your strategy it's communicating that um, it's being prepared to be nimble and adaptive, but also to communicate any changes that, that are required. Um, and I think I think people um, are very forgiving, actually, when it comes to you know leaders making mistakes, as long as they don't make too many too often. Um, but they're less forgiving when it comes to a lack of direction or clarity. Mm. And so I think that's certainly the case here everyone wants is um steer about scale of the challenges that are faced um clarity how we're going to tackle them you know what's the plan um idea about well actually how are we performing against that plan and if things aren't going as well as expected what are we going to do about it and then um emotional support as well knowing that your colleague has got your back that they're for you um and as, as you'd expect, you know, I spoke to the, the team here about this call um, you know, beforehand just to get their views. And one of the comments that was made by a couple of people, actually, was it, it feels now like family. You know, there's that level of trust that there aren't any politics. We wouldn't tolerate somebody else knifing someone in the back. That just doesn't happen. Um, if it did, you know, the, <laughs> the perpetrators wouldn't, um, wouldn't be here very long. Um, unless there was a, a change of behaviour, you know, there's some things that we won't tolerate. Um, so that gives a, a level of security, I think, that I haven't seen in many other places that I've worked in. Um, so I don't know if, if I've really answered the question, but I think all of those things are, you know, taken together are just really important. And I think actually um, being in this together with COVID, everybody's affected. And in some respects does help. Um, because it's not as if it's just you facing some life-changing um, challenge. Um, we're all in it together, and 
and maintaining that sense of being together is really important, especially when people are working from home, when they have less face-to-face contact than they might otherwise have. Um, so, you know, in our case, we have a, um, a weekly Zoom call. It's weekly now. It was daily, actually, to start with. Um, we've taken the opportunity to make sure that we can uh, meet in small groups when we can, sort of socially distancing, you know, respecting all of the guidelines that we place, yeah. but just making sure that we maintain relationships and, and contacts and that we know how each other are doing. And um, that's perhaps the last thing I'd add to that as well. It, it's, um, it is genuinely about making sure that each other are doing okay. It's not just about management making sure the staff are okay. It's, uh, it's a two-way street. Um, it's about fostering a, a genuine relationship. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys, so I was going to say, one of the guys said, he said, actually, you know, this is a place where I not only enjoy working with people, but I'd happily go out for a beer on a Friday night with everyone mm. um, because that's the, the, the sort of environment that we've now got. Well, and I think that speaks volumes to to what you've created in the culture of that that sense of being in it together, supporting each other as family, and and really showing up just as being raw, vulnerable human beings. Because um, I think you know everybody wants to come to work and do great work, and 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 if people aren't, it's it's understanding well, what's what's behind that, and how do we support each other? I think. I think people don't talk enough about support. I think they talk a lot about collaboration, but I think support is so crucial as, as we're going forward in, in uncertainty. Um, Andy, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating talking to you and I wish you and your business and your team all the very best for the future. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Andy role models having an inclusive team approach and shows how important it is to achieve results through relationships. His humility and transparency of communication were key to the business transforming in an agile way in what's a really challenging environment. And he talks openly about how that set the team up for success as they navigated the COVID-19 pandemic. As we continue to deal with the pandemic, These skills are crucial for every business today, as every business needs to transform in some way. How do you bring people with you at times of extreme change and uncertainty? How do you create an environment where communication is transparent and based on collaboration, clarity and empathy? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, helping leaders and teams lead with courage and compassion to accelerate growth in a way that makes a difference in the world. You can find out more at www.judejennison.com and you can find me on all the usual social media channels. Until next week, keep leading and I'll be back soon with another interview on Rethinking Leadership. 